Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to live my life, putting purpose over profit. Too many fallen soldiers, too many slain prophets. Eyes on the prize, yeah, I gotta watch it. Agents amongst us, get your hand out my pocket. I'm sick with the pet. Brothers and sisters are sick in the pet. Oppressed by the man, attacked by the clan. America's plan, depression sets in. People becoming so hopeless. Said we can't breathe, they still choke us. They put the body cam on, it's either turn off or out of focus. Yeah, another death, another life. They pull the trigger, no thinking twice. Cops be wildin', the killing youth. The new Jim Crow, a different noose. It's the beast, it's the beast, mark of the beast. Cease and desist, increase the peace. Move in silence, don't make a sound. But when they come, stand your ground. R.I.P. to all the martyrs. Say your prayer, Heavenly Father. Black lives matter, black lives matter. All right, guys, we are back. Another live episode of The Creative Gore. We want to take this time to welcome all of our new viewers and all of our returning viewers as well. Hope you guys had a wonderful week. We're inspired and uh, ready to get to it. How are you, Professor Israel? I'm doing well, good brother. Um, Things are well. I'm trying to take it one day at a time, but also still, as Brother Deli said, have that endowment mindset, right? And make sure that we're doing that endowment thinking and planning 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ahead. Yes, sir. I, I would say endowment thinking starts at 100. So let's keep it. Let's keep it a century, right? Let's, let's keep it 100. <laughs> there you go. Right. There it is. So today, as everyone saw, shout out to Brother Lou. Appreciate you joining in, sir. Wagwan Mayu, right? So today we want to talk about cultural appropriation, something that I think as black people in our community that we're all familiar with especially for Mikhail and myself, who have been to predominantly white institutions, we often see a trend of it's okay to be black in certain situations when it's cool, when it's socially cool. But other times, let's say at the, you know, George Floyd times, Trayvon Mm -hmm. Martin times, Brown and Taylor times, people don't want to be that aspect of black because then it's not cool. Then it's dangerous. Then it's kind of how, you know, Jane Elliott was saying in in her training, you don't want to be black when it comes to that. So when you think about cultural appropriation, Brother Mix, what do you feel? So there's a number of things. Let's first and foremost, let's get into the definition. A lot of folks might not know what the definition is. Amen. Um, and we talk about cultural appropriation. Um, there's folks out there that you might know them as culture vultures. Mm. You might know them as folks who are of dominant culture or uh, dominant society. Um, a, a 50 cent word for that would be hegemonic culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you think about hegemonic culture, particularly here in the United States of America, you think about white, male, cisgender, heterosexual, able-bodied, wealthy, um, you know, Christian, the list goes on. When you think about hegemonic culture, you think about white men in society that have all those identifiers that I just uh, mentioned. Mm-hmm. You think about the last Tuesday's debate, right? <laughs> I don't know if we want to call it a presidential debate, Mm-mm. but you talk about last last Tuesday's uh, shouting match, or as one radio station put it, the white version of versus. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, you know, you think about that, that's pretty much a bunch of a bunch of white stuff, right? So when we talk about cultural appropriation, it's usually the dominant culture taking something from another culture where they have no ownership. They don't have they don't give any credit. 
Mm. Um, they don't give any type of, or they don't even have any type of understanding. Um, is when someone's aesthetic is taken for their own gain, for someone else's own gain. So black culture being exported, taken to profit off of, as opposed to actually understanding, celebrating, giving credit to where credit is due. Um, working in education, we always have this conversation. It's October. It's fitting that we're having this conversation now because Halloween's on the horizon. Mm. And you know what happens during Halloween. Right. There's a lot of cultural appropriation that's taking place. See, a lot of folks think about the, the outfits they wear, right? How many white girls are you going to see running around talking about their Pocahontas? No Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, Trump was calling her Pocahontas. Um, how many folks are you going to see running around with a sombrero on during Cinco de Mayo? Um, how many folks are you going to see saying they want to be LeBron James and they're a white boy and they got blackface on or Afro or something? Right. It's like, hold up. Hold up. You're not celebrating this culture. Seems like you're making a mockery of it, or maybe you're just trying to do something for your own gain. How many times have we seen models run the runway or walk the runway um, wearing garb that they can't even spell? Exactly. That's not your culture. You probably don't know anything about it. Um, So cultural appropriation is the difference between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation. Mm. Right. There's some times when you can appreciate someone's culture. You want to learn a little bit more about it. You want to study. You want to talk about the cuisine, for example. But then you got those culture vultures out here, for example, you know, like in my neighborhood spot, there's a Jamaican restaurant, I kid you not, ran by a white person. And I'm not saying that white people aren't from Jamaica. Right. I'm not saying that because we know that Jamaica is a diverse place for a number of different reasons. What I'm saying is this white dude is nowhere near from Jamaica at all. And it says authentic, authentic Jamaican cuisine. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And it's like, wait, hold up. How is that authentic? What makes it authentic? It can't be you, bro. So we talk about taking culture from someone else and appropriating for your own gain, not giving credit where credit's due. You think about folks, you, you know, you ever you ever have somebody tell a joke? You know, you might tell a joke. You know, you tell a joke and it's hilarious. Next thing you know, your boy, um, he says the same joke. People start rolling. <laughs> he doesn't say, he doesn't say where he got the joke from. Thank you. He doesn't give you credit at all. That's verbal plagiarism. And OD focus just stealing your stuff. So he out there spitting your bars, getting getting mad love off of your bars, never ever gives you credit. And it's like, nah, fam, why don't you get your own jokes? So like you took it from me. Exactly. So when we talk about this cultural appropriation thing, it runs deep and we need to really get into it because to quote Paul Mooney, the great comedian, he said, everybody want to be an N-word, but nobody want to be an N-word. Exactly. To be real too, black woman, some of the most unprotected, if not the most unprotected in the United States of America, they are not protected, yet people always want to steal or copy or repurpose, repackage um, all of that aesthetic into their own bodies. I'm talking about all the Kardashians, pretty much all of them, pretty much all of them in one way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm talking about all these folks who want to be a black woman, but they hate black women. Right. Right. So you want to be a black woman. You're trying to talk like one. You're trying to walk like one. You're trying to get the body like one, yet... Yet and still, you don't appreciate them, you appropriate, you disrespect them, and you want to just pretty much take someone else's aesthetic and put it onto yourself and say, hey, look at me, look at me. Isn't it, don't I look good? Um, so yeah, it's deep, man, it's deep. And and it really, we can even get into hip hop. <laughs> we can even get into hip hop and talk about where that comes from. But you know, we can, we, can, we can dig a little deep. We got some time, brother. But there's so many pieces about this cultural appropriation thing where other folks are profiting off of someone else's culture without giving credit where credit's due, without really understanding and appreciating um, 
the actual culture. They're just using it for their own gain. Absolutely. And I feel like the record industry is a wonderful illustration of this reality. Right. So, you know, love or hate them or disregard them, which is all fair. Right. But Kanye had a recent rant about this exact thing, saying how all the record labels own the majority of the music and rights of all the, let's say, the hip hop artists and most artists in general, but definitely the hip hop artists who, you know, definitely celebrate and further black culture. Right. And at the same time, they are only getting, what, 20 percent of their sales, while the actual corporation, the record label and the executives are really getting what what they should be getting. Right. Because they're the ones who created the content, but they're, they're the ones who are selling it, marketing it, and then they get to reap most of the rewards, which is why a lot of people end up in debt, which is unfortunate. And then if we think about, you know, transferring it to sports. We see a lot of cultural appropriation there as well, right? As you said, with people dressing up like LeBron or people going to, you know, boo, you know, either cheer or boo LeBron. And it's kind of like what we've talked about on a, a bunch of times where you have people on your own, the people in your own fans, right? Who are saying, let's say racial things about another player. And then everyone looks at them like they're crazy. They're like, oh, no, no, we don't mean them. I mean, we don't mm -hmm. need you. We mean them. And again, mm -hmm. and that's not how that works. That this art, you know, illustrates their ignorance and their misunderstanding, as you were saying, the misappropriation. And it kind of reminded me of the education system, since we have the innovative educator here, when we have essentially a bunch of educational bias, right? Especially towards our people. But yet when it comes to pop culture and all things popular, then we're put at the forefront, but either way, we're, you know, we're disregarded in that aspect, which is very unfortunate. Absolutely. So it's about, it's about systems of power, right? It's about systems of power and we all have power in a number of different ways. To go back to brother Kanye, pray for that brother <laughs> for, for a number of different reasons. Cause my thing is there's one thing for you, you know, he's part genius, part just out of his mind. Mm -hmm. And sometimes him being out of his mind is part of his genius. It's mm -hmm. a very, very difficult situation that that man has, but um, it's, it's really tough for me to sit here and listen to someone critique um, cultural appropriation or saying that things need to be done for the culture when brother, 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 Eesh. have you seen the family you attach to? Eesh. You want to talk about cultural appropriation? Don't get mad, bro. Don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. That's all, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Because it's like, I hear you, bro. I really do. Um, but last time I checked, you know, the person you pull up with is uh, really cultural appropriating um, and has been for a very long time. Word to Ray J. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, um, it's really important for us to really look at the nuances and complexities of what this is, because there's some black folks who can culturally appropriate other black folks. So you talk about the diaspora, right? There might be some folks who rockin' dashikis, they don't even know how to spell it. Rockin' dashikis, they don't even know what it means. Rockin' dashikis, they don't even know what part of Africa it comes from, right? So it's about thinking what that looks like. It's okay to get back in touch with your roots, but you have to actually get in touch with your roots, discover them, um, educate yourselves. Uh, so it's really about education. That piece is you can appreciate something, just like cuisine. You know, if I love dumplings, I want to learn how to make dumplings. I have to actually give and pay homage to where those things came from. Right. I can't just say, oh, yo, look at this dumpling I made. Wait, hold up. Do you even know the art of making dumplings? Do you even know the art of making sushi? Do you know the art of making patties? Every culture has its own type of style. You look at the Haitians, you look at the Jamaicans, um, you look at the uh, the other folks, like, for example, the Dominican Republic, Empanada. So you look at all these different types of pieces. All these things are signifiers of their identity and of the culture. 
But if you try to appropriate, you're not appreciating it. You're not giving credit where credit's due. So it's really about education. It's really about thinking about, am I doing this as a mockery of someone? Am I doing this because I don't fully understand their culture? Am I doing this because I want to look good without giving anybody credit? Um, do I think I look better wearing this, whether it's Bo Derek with her hair in the twist mm. or whether it's folks over here trying to, you know how, you know, okay. So you know how long black women been doing their hair? <laughs> you know how long black women, particularly a natural woman who be wearing a little silk bonnets to sleep and whatnot, we got these white folks out here coming coming out with these new bonnets and things. Talk about this is my nightcap. This is first of all, that's a different type of nightcap. Nightcap <laughs> is that drink you have before you go to sleep. That's a nightcap. Now the other joint, you over here putting stocking caps on top of your head, talking about look at this new thing that I invented. If you don't get out of here, mm. so we talk about people taking culture and trying to like re reappropriate it for their own gain, for their own funds. One, they're not educated, and other times folks are educated, and because they're educated and they're in a place of power and privilege. They use someone else's culture for their own gain, realizing that a lot of folks, because of the way that our minds are working, have been colonized. We think that white might be right and black is whack. So it's like, hmm, let's take that black thing, put it on a white, a white person. And now it's marketable. It's marketable. So really thinking about those things and being critical about the stuff that we consume, whether it's things that we purchase, whether it's things we listen to, whether it's things that we watch. Um, but that education piece is really, really important. Absolutely. And I feel at the core of appropriation has to be consumerism, right? Because at the end of the day, it's similar to, you know, biting someone's lyrics. So we got to shout out the boy Nashi Linton straight from Trenton and yourself for actually writing your own lyrics. Those lyrics were not written by someone else. But again, if you go back to the record industry, which is facilitated by consumerism, you have people who no one else knows about, right? Some, some artists, uh, presumptively like Jersey Drake, who may have ghostwriters who mm -hmm. are literally paying for those lyrics. And then they get to actually say it's their lyrics when it's not actually their lyrics. But essentially, that's what's happening with cultural appropriation as well. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. As, as black people, as a culture, we come from a very, very talented, deep, rich history and lineage. Um, and part of part of our culture and, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but the way that I understand black people in particular I'm gonna talk about across the diaspora. Like we pay homage and respect to one another. Mm -hmm. Like if I see that you're doing something and it's dope, I'm gonna tell you it's dope. And I might try to emulate or strive to even probably do it better. And I'm not gonna be like, yo, yo, um, that 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 joint is whack, yo. That joint is whack. Next thing you know, take it, put it over here, spice it up a little bit on my end, and be like, yo, look what I got, look what I got. And I think that's what happens sometimes. I think there's folks who. They're either afraid of competition or they're insecure, or then you have those folks, like I said, who play the game. They play the racial identity politics game, knowing what, what sells, right? Mm -hmm. um, some things might sell over here. You see it in terms of media. You have folks to the urban market, and then you might take the same thing, repackage it, repurpose it for a different market, for different consumers. So consumerism is real, but at the end of the day, when you think about black culture, I think it's probably the number one global export. It really is an import, depending on where you are. Um, so I think that's something that we all we, we all need to really actually say and admit um, that our culture sells, our culture is profitable because um, we're we're creators, we're builders. Mm -hmm. People usually people usually take style, fashion trends, aesthetics from us. I'm talking about slang, all that different type of vernacular. I'm talking about the way that we 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 walk, talk, dress. All these young boys out here, young girls out here, you know, all in TikTok. 
Please talk to the TikTok universe. They stealing dances from the from the folk, man. From the folk. I see all these little suburbans, suburban nights out here doing the TikTok challenge and all. I'm like, yo, get out of here. Like, they're stealing our culture. Right. And and shout out to J. Cole. Because when he was on his song Fire Squad, he was like, We over here arguing over who's gonna snatch the crown, right? And here comes someone else. These white folks coming over here, they done took the whole game from us. We over here arguing with each other. You know, trying to shoot at each other's head, uh, figure of speech in terms of like, you know, rapping with each other and battling. And then here goes someone else just coming, creeping in and taking our style, taking our sound. Um, so it's crazy, man. It's crazy. We got to be careful about that. Absolutely. And I, the only thing I could really think of is that you were describing Instagram literally and social media as you were saying what you were saying. Right. Because it's where people steal things all the time and then they steal them and upload them instantly right and then they will get credit for it so it kind of reminds me of how people let's say with privilege not only change definitions of things because they know people usually don't research when you have that authority due to your privilege and usually on social media you know they're not researching anything really right so as soon as you put something out first it's yours when it's not really the case and by the time people like oh wait a minute you stole X, Y, and Z from them. People don't, they don't even care anymore, right? That, that mm-hmm. cultural appropriation has already been activated. And now people are just more concerned with it being a part of pop culture as opposed to the origins. So I think, unfortunately, sometimes our people also forget about the origins of things. So I think this new wave that's coming in terms of consciousness, that's going to change things in a very profound way. So I feel like our people will be immune to that type of appropriation going forward intellectually, which I think is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. And um, I see there's a question down here. Uh, From Claude Diz. You, yeah. You go ahead and read that, brother. So Claude Diz says, what do you think is the difference between cultural appropriation and cultural immersion? For example, Adele or when vacationers get braids. That's a wonderful question. So it's a number of different things. Um, first, the difference between cultural appropriation and cultural immersion. Cultural appropriation is when folks literally are just taking. Mm-hmm. They're taking, taking, taking. They're like culture vultures. They're leeching. Um, they're not giving anything back in return, such as credit, such as pay, um, such as actual ownership to certain things. They might even take something and try to say, you know, I'm going to license this. I'm going to trademark this. I don't know a lick about this culture or about this thing, but I know it sells. Exactly. That's the appropriation part. The immersion part is a person who actually is trying to educate themselves and understand a culture, not so they can profit from it, but maybe so they can actually communicate with folks more so, bring folks in from that team, from that culture to help build something out. So if I'm over here and I'm trying to make sure that uh, I reach, let's just say, Spanish speaking population, I might not know a lick of Spanish. The difference between cultural appropriation and cultural immersion in that sense is that I start going to Google Translator and I'm putting things in my little English to change it to Spanish. And yes, it might be good business marketing, but I'm doing that piece and I start to put it on certain T-shirts. I can't read it myself. I don't know a lick of Spanish. Everybody that I'm I'm using to print stuff don't know a lick of Spanish. It's all folks speaking English or a different language. The culture that we're using and profiting from to reach the culture that we're profiting off of is not getting anything out of the deal, right? They're just a consumer that's purchasing stuff. They're not getting any benefit from it. The immersion part would be, okay, 
either I'm going to sign up for Rosetta Stone or I'm going to make sure that I can get some folks on my team who speak Spanish, who can help me build this thing out because I don't just care about making money. I actually care about reaching people in a respectful and responsible way. So now my team is going to be built up to the point where I have people who actually Spanish is part of their first language and they can reach and connect with people more authentically than I could. Um, so it's really thinking about that. So Adele versus vacation is getting braids. There's sometimes when you have protective styles, there's some folks who definitely want to have protective styles, but there's times when it's like your type of hair don't need that type of braids. You going to Jamaica, you going on vacation and you putting your hair in box braids for what? Your hair's not going to be messed up. There's plenty of times I see you roll out of, look like you roll out of bed or roll out of the shower. You came to work because your hair's still dripping wet. So clearly the water's not going to damage your hair in any way, shape or form. So why you got them braids in? And then when you start to call them other things, different story. Another situation with Fidel, for example, was when she won an award and she was like, nah, I really think Beyonce should. I really think Beyonce should. Now, the next step is like, all right, if you really about that life, walk off the stage and give Beyonce a trophy. <laughs> or walk, or you call Beyonce on stage, you be like, you know what, honestly, even if you don't accept this from me, I'm going to leave this right here on the, on the stage because I don't deserve it, you do. That's another piece. Um, so really thinking about that. Adele also, she could sing. She could sing. The problem is, here's the problem. When everything's underneath the white gaze, G-A-Z-E, when everything's underneath that, underneath that uh, spotlight, the folks who actually can sing, they usually get blown out of proportion because, again, when folks see white people doing it, they're like, oh, my God, that's it's amazing. It's amazing. When there's black folks and other folks of color who has, like, their singing chops is way better than Adele. Right. But again, we see somebody at Blue Eyes Soul. You got these folks like Robin Thicke. You got these folks like Justin Timberlake. Everybody's like, oh my God, because they want a personal hero. You got people like Big as a Culture, Biggest Culture Appropriator, num number one, Elvis Presley. Mm. Taking all that music. First of all, man can't dance. People lose their mind over here. He's shaking his hips. Brother looked like his knee's about to break. Stop. <laughs> my man might need a hip replacement. He keep playing, doing all that stuff. All I'm saying is. <laughs> What happened was is that he was taking stuff from like Big Ma Rainey. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. You're studying from other people and because of the way systemic racism works. This man, this white man, gets all the love, all the affection, all the attention when there are people who are 10 times better than him. In fact, he didn't create any of that. He took, 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 took. And then people marketed it and put that together. It reminds me, I don't know if folks know the, <laughs> know the hood classic, the five heartbeats. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the five heartbeats or if you uh why do fools for love talk about frankie lyman they show the difference between you know the black album not jay-z but the black album in the sense of actually the people who are black doing a rap or doing a song versus the white album of the same music but how they market it in different places or which ones sell more so when you think about those pieces um Again, racism comes into place when it comes to cultural appropriation. Power dynamics come into place when it comes to, uh, comes into play when it comes to cultural appropriation. And that might be the distinction and difference. Absolutely. And I think I would, just to add to that, view cultural immersion as perhaps being an ally, something like that, like being consciously like, you know what, I'm going to kind of like when I travel, right? I kind of like to be in apprentice mode and try to soak up everything I, I can about culture without you know appropriating obviously right but i guess that's that's just the default setting we have from being on the other side of cultural appropriation so for me i actually want to learn like okay what's the origins of this and then you often find out that sometimes sometimes the people don't know the origins themselves because it's just part of that you know that circle that wheel that machine of pop culture so sometimes we all need to reflect and look back at things 
right? Similar to, as you were talking about, about education. And I would view cultural appropriation similar to Christopher Columbus, you know, Columbus saying he discovered America when people were already there, right? So perhaps a cultural immersion would be like an anthropologist learning about Native American culture and whatnot and see how it's similar to any other cultures that, you know, that you come across. Yeah. And literally, even even to add on to that point, like cultural immersion. So when you think about an immersion class, if, if anyone's ever studied a modern language, um, to immerse yourself in something is, means you have to exist in the space of where it's taking place. There's a lot of times where folks take from the culture. They haven't spent a day, let alone a second in the culture, in spaces where they might be the other, in spaces where they might be the minority, per se. Right. So you have the situation where it's like if you really want to go study something, study it, immerse yourself in it. Study abroad programs as folks who might go and, you know, go away to Kenya, or go away to South Korea, et cetera, and spend time there and then actually come back. Now, when you come back, if you love that culture, let's just say you want to do a fashion show because of the, the attire that you saw in Seoul, Korea. Phenomenal. You had better had some folks from Seoul, Korea, or at least folks who are Korean in your fashion show. So when you think about what you're doing, if you're going to put somebody's culture out there, particularly if it's not being appreciated or celebrated, mm-hmm. folks from that culture should be a part of that. That's 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 the whole piece about the immersion piece or the appreciation piece. Absolutely. And it kind of reminds me of uh, when Jeremy Lin came to prominence in the NBA and we had Lin Sanity. And then you had a lot of NBA players taking issue with the amount of media and press that he was getting simply because he wasn't better than them. But he was on the front page of the of the news. And granted, he was playing for the Knicks, your your beloved Knicks. Right. But at the same time, he wasn't even half the player of a lot of the players. And we found that out later. But during the time, during the news cycle, they, he was like flooded to the front page because it was someone else being essentially a minority and a essentially a platform, which is the NBA that was totally built by black people. And that's also a marketing, though, piece in terms of, you know, just like. Just that's a little different in the sense of the amount of love he got from his own folks who identified as Asian, Asian American, Chinese in particular, et cetera. There's other pieces that went to him too. When you talk about uh, what America represents, graduated from Harvard, Mm. right? So we think about all these other pieces that go into that specific piece. There's a lot of identity politics that are operating on that level. You have an Asian American, you have a person, an Asian who's out here balling, and, you know, the stereotypes is, first of all, you know, stereotypes are like Asians are not even tall to begin with, right? There's all these stereotypes that we have. So you have a dude who's like over six feet, balling from Harvard. Mm. And it's like, okay, you're playing on the Knicks. You're over here shooting three-pointers. You got some swag to you. you bouncing. You know, that's a situation where there's a lot of things swirling on there in terms of identity politics. You have the whole notion of the model minority. You have all these things that go into that piece. So that one was, that was like a really, really interesting piece. Right. Um, so, you know, it's 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 interesting how all these things start to operate um, on a level, particularly when you sort of think about, you know, identity politics. Absolutely. And Clodis has another question from the black perspective. Would you say cultural appropriation of the prominent culture is necessary for us to survive when considering power dynamics? Is it even possible? It's a good question. So I would say, here's the thing. I always tell my students and I talk about the difference between assimilation and acclimation. There's a difference between uh, adaptation and adopting. Mm. Um, so depending on what space, like we, we know, we know that some spaces we need the code switch 
we might have to speak a different way in order for us to get through and navigate certain spaces that don't reflect our aesthetic and might be threatened by our aesthetic. Uh, we understand that piece. I think the, the problem becomes when you see um, folks like uh, a Justice Clarence Thomas um, who start to denounce um, certain parts of their blackness and they start to say that white is right and black is wrong. Uh, when you start to see some folks who say, I need to be this, which is a reflection of the dominant culture or whiteness, right? Um, and start to disavow and shy away and become even more anti-black. Um, so I think that's that's what we see. And I think there's plenty of times when we learn or are taught in some cases um, to not love ourselves, to hate ourselves. Mm. That's that internalized oppression piece. And if we have internalized oppression, then there's plenty of times we're going to say, you know what, there's something wrong with me. I don't belong in these spaces because I don't look like these people. I don't belong in these spaces because I don't sound or talk like these people. I don't belong in these spaces because I don't walk like these people. And in order for me to actually get to a path of success, I have to change who I am and mirror and model what that is. Now, some folks do that. And some folks have a, a deep, deep sense of who they are and they understand they're playing that game. But there are other folks who think they're playing the game, but the game is really playing them. And they ultimately start to hurt other people in the process. Um, so when we think about that, all these power dynamics that are in place, I love the fact that I went to a number of different predominantly white institutions since the age of 14. Why? Because I picked up the language, not only verbal language, but also body language, um, how you dress. I was joking the other day on the Brown Juice Barbershop because um, I went to my niece's uh, graduation. She graduated from uh, Episcopal High School in Alexandria, Virginia. And I was talking to my wife. I was like, yo, because um, she's like, what you wearing? I was like, I'm going to wear the, uh, um, the prep school white man uniform. And she was like, what's that? I was like, uh, blue blazer <laughs> and khaki pants. She's like, whatever, please. Birkin we pull socks. up the campus. We pull up the campus. You know what we saw, John. <laughs> you know what we saw. About seven out of 10 of them. About seven out of 10 of them wearing 70%. blue blazer, khaki pants. And that's me learning the game and saying, guess what? I'm one of you. But am I? Mm. That's the difference. That's the difference. Some people say, I'm one of you. And they really are. Or they really believe it and they start to act like it, which is problematic. So again, there, there's you pick your battles, you, you get in where you fit in. Some spaces you have to prioritize self-care and safety. Other spaces, you know, you just got to be you. But the more and more you climb up that ladder of power, for example, like the position that I sit in where I work, um, I'm, I'm, I'm showing up to work the way I want to show up to work. Y'all want me? I know I got a little bit of power. That's how I'm rolling through. I wear hoodies to work on purpose. Because I want folks to understand that every person that they see who's a black man with a bald head and beard wearing a hoodie is not a thug, as the message might be out there on TV, um, on the radio and movies, etc. And I allow other folks to understand that, guess what? You can be in a position of power and be a person who's very intelligent, eloquent, articulate, whatever you want to say, and still rock a hoodie. No one says anything to Mark Zuckerberg. No one said anything to Steve Jobs when he was alive. No one say anything to Bill Gates. Some of these folks would look like they broke, but they got millions, billions, right? So just really thinking about all this identity politics and things that come in. And at the end of the day, it's really about anti-blackness. A lot of folks are just, they just, black folks included. A lot of folks are so anti-black, they just run to white because they think it's right. Absolutely. And I think it's important to see the entire chessboard. And often that comes with being exposed to different things. So as you were saying, assimilation, 
you know, it's it's good to do it from a third party perspective, like an observer, similar, similar way that an anthropologist would look at things. Just simply observe and learn from and understand and be able to articulate in a very intelligent way. Right. So I think that's that's also important for understanding how not only how we are perceived as people, but how we're also perceived around the world, because it's similar and it's also different. And it's similar and different even within the United States. So if you go to different states, in some places like New Jersey, you'll be perceived one way. If you go to a place like Alabama or Mississippi, it could be completely different. So I think it's very important to be aware of this of this dynamic, right? And at the end of the day, it kind of reminds me of, you know, Clayton Bigsby, right? Or, or, or Kanye, right? Because oftentimes you'll be assimilating or you know essentially losing yourself and not knowing who you are when you're actually doing more harm than good as you you talked about before and it's kind of like i love your example about how you, you know you've been in you know predominantly white institutions since 14 for me it's been since i was in preschool mm-hmm. so i'm i'm fully aware of everything and it's just to me it's just being very aware of things and it actually reminds me of the film so if everyone hasn't seen it yet please check it out the spook who sat by the door. It reminds me of that to a T and how important it is to be aware, right? And if you if you see the uh, jersey I'm wearing, which is the Killmonger jersey, essentially he is the spook who sat by the door, right? So he learned everything he could from MIT, from the CIA, and then he used that information in a way that would add the best benefit to his people. So a spook who sat by the door, I definitely think is a, a def, uh a movie you might want to check out this weekend, everyone. And shout out to D three eighty seven NFL. Curious of what your team is, sir. What can we do to build trust amongst ourselves to support our culture and get our people to invest in us more, so that we can be the hands that provide for our people and communities? Wonderful question. And I think uh, probably the best thing we can do is having conversations like this. When you see a lot of other people around the world and it's a lot easier to do that when you're doing things online who share the same thoughts as you right who feel this exact same way that you do have been in the exact same situations have the same upbringing right it could again similar different and or same right regardless you see that it's similar so we all have this collective consciousness like you know what something needs to change right just like the song from tupac when he's like hey we got to we got to eat better. We got to treat each other better. This is necessary, not only for us to survive, but to thrive. But unfortunately, as we see with the privilege, as we see with the oppression, we're at the stage where we're constantly surviving. So it's a crabs in the barrel mentality. But once we get to that thriving part, once we go beyond the crabs in the barrel, then we'll actually begin to thrive. And then I think things will open up a lot more in a very rapid way. What do you think, Brother Mix? It's a very deep and important question, and it's one that we have to start with ourselves and really be introspective and learn who we are. I always say knowledge itself is essential, and that's really important. Um, a number of other stuff that a number of other things that are important is, you know, we have to, like other cultures do, develop a code or a mode of operation, and that should be pro-black. And for me, you can't just say you're pro-black and throw it around and throw it around. You got to really be about that life. So, for example, pro-black doesn't mean you just pro-black to a few people. Realizing that we might all not disagree, which is cool. Realizing that, guess what? 
I might not like you, but I should respect you. Mm. I might not want to work with you and I don't have to, but I shouldn't be a detriment to what you're trying to do in your life. Additionally, when you think about being pro-black, realizing that we're not a monolith and realizing that there are so many different types of black people, if I'm pro-black, that means I shouldn't be anti-woman. If I'm pro-black, that means I shouldn't be anti-LGBTQ because all these folks are black. Now, you can have your difference of opinion about however people identify and what they do. However, you should not disrespect them because of it or your rights should not begin where theirs end and their rights should not begin where yours end. Mm. We should make sure that we make sure that we, we love everybody. That means that we, if even if I'm a Christian, I shouldn't be anti-Muslim. I might not agree with the religion. However, I'm not going to disrespect a person for being Muslim. Because guess what? If I'm pro-black, there are black Muslims. So again, if we're talking about what's going to benefit us as a whole, sometimes we got to get past our differences, our identity politics, and understand we don't have to always agree. In fact, we shouldn't. We're not a monolith. However, we should not dis. That should not discourage us from building together. That should not stop us from actually connecting and bridging the gap. Because if I am pro-black, that means it has to be pro-black folks who identify as black. And there's some folks who be trying to sneak in. <laughs> you know there's folks who be trying to sneak in. People over here talk about their transracial, like Rachel Doja, right? Mm. We got all these folks. We got to call that out. All I'm saying is exactly. we need to have a code and we need to not only be committed to ourselves, ourselves, of ourselves, but committed to our brothers or sisters, etc who identify as black. Absolutely. And by the way, for those who were familiar with that name, Rachel uh, Dozel was the person who uh, portrayed herself as African-American to become president of the NAW. Wow. NAW. Wow. Really? <laughs> NAACP. Thank you. There we go. And shout yeah, out. Chapter. Chapter in uh, Washington. Yeah. There we go. Spokane, which is a. Uh, mm-hmm. A very, uh, let's say, densely populated area for people of Caucasian descent. So there we go. And shout out to D from work. So Slama Lake and my bro. And that's another example of cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. She went to Howard, the HBCU, and that she's literally appropriated the whole culture. <laughs> exactly. Literally. And shout out to Lou, who says... Easy E showed up at the White House as himself. You got to be in control of your life and be who you are. Like just like how Mark Zuckerberg, right, wearing his hoodies and doing doing all the things that he does. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to, you know, show up and be yourself and not be afraid to do so, even though the world will tell you you can't do X, Y, and Z. But that's only because they don't want you to do X, Y, and Z. They would rather you be ABC, right? Of course, and you know, I think there's a lot of things that go into that piece too, because you know, again, Mark Zuckerberg. First of all, the fact if anybody knows how he got to where he is, you know, it's, it's not, the, it's not the nicest path. He wasn't the most honest business person. So you can really look and see exactly how he got Facebook to begin with. Right. And we talk about all these situations in terms of the privilege that you might have because of the color of your skin uh, or the lack of pigmentation, depending on how, however, however you want to look at it. Right. So thinking about this, the system that we have, particularly in the United States, think about race. Um, there are some folks who have the opportunity to walk into a room and act like they own we have, we just saw a presidential debate where there's white mediocrity, white fragility, uh, um, uh, white privilege on display, full whiteness on display. If that was anybody else up there, a woman, a person of color, 
being it, it, it would not be allowed to happen. Somebody might be walking out in cuffs because it's like this is not how you behave. Mm. But these other folks, they get they're passionate. They're they're being commanders, right? right? Um, so you think about how things are spun. So realizing that sometimes we don't have certain power or certain privileges where we can actually walk in that purpose or realize that for every action there's a reaction, for every choice there's a consequence. So you have to be bold enough to know that. Or like Dr. Boyce Watkins says, sometimes you have to develop enough amount of F you money. So therefore, <laughs> when you get to the point, you know, someone's like, nah, you can't, all right, F you, I'm out. Because you're good. Absolutely. So I have a question per for Professor Israel. So since you're in education, you are definitely around a lot of young development minds. So what type, what type of advice would you give them, not only them, but perhaps their parents as well and anyone older, right? If they're witnessing a moment of cultural appropriation, what do you think the best way is to respond so it has a, a positive outcome where the person who is appropriating actually learns from their actions? That's a great question. I think it's, um, it's important for folks to understand that sometimes if you feel safe enough to engage to the point where you can disrupt the conversation or you see something happening and you can uh, intervene, then some of the things, some of the easiest things to do is to ask a question. Mm. Oh, so why are you wearing that? Um, or can you tell me a little bit about where you got that from and what that represents? If they can, if they give credit, if they give props, if they seem educated and knowledgeable about what they're wearing, why they're wearing it, where it comes from. It's almost like the scene when, um, you know, talk about Black Panther and Killmonger's in the museum. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, where is this one from? He's like, oh, it's from Benin, blah, 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 blah. He's like, nah, nah, actually it's from Wakanda. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, you probably took it from Benin, but actually it's from Wakanda. So thinking about that piece, it's like, are you educated? So you can really disrupt in that regard, asking questions. Other times it's, if you want to be real coy, you can see what's happening Go do your own research. And then maybe when it comes back up again, you can say, you know what? Maybe you should think about wearing that. Um, maybe you should think of, uh, twice before you wear that next time. Because last time I checked, I think that represents blah, 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 blah. Um, so there's ways to ask questions that don't really put folks on the defense. You can ask curiosity, right? So you say curiosity in the sense of, hey, can you tell me more about that? What do you think? As opposed to, hey, yo, fam, take that off, B. That's wrong. You know what I mean? It was like, how do you engage in conversation with somebody? Absolutely. And I think the uh, the Killmonger approach is probably my favorite approach. This is to simply ask rhetorical questions. It's not rhetorical to the person, but, you know, it's just like, I, w I wonder what they're going to say. I'm just fascinated because it's, ne it's never going to be the right answer. <laughs> Absolutely. And now we want to open it up because we have around 15 minutes left to any questions we have in the audience, because this has been a fantastic stream. Thank you, Professor, for your thoughts. I think this has been very rewarding. I love the topic. Of course, of course, definitely. And it, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. And honestly, working in education, students don't get it. Um, a lot of times because they're young learners and they haven't had a life experience, we can actually name and, and say that's an example. So there's always questions. Why can't I wear that? Mm. Another thing that comes up, for example, folks are like, okay, so for Halloween, little young white boy wants to wear a Wakanda uniform, right? He wants to put on a Wakanda costume. Is that cultural appropriation? No. No, it's not. Now, if he started doing all this other stuff where he's putting on paint and all these other things, or if he's doing stuff that's not in the movie, like he's over here doing like screams and war cries and stuff, 
that's a little different. It's like that wasn't in the movie, bro. Like, <laughs> why are you doing that? That wasn't even in the movie. Um, so just really thinking about certain pieces in terms of this is an example, and you might be crossing the line if you do this. Mm. Uh, doesn't mean you can't have a certain hairstyle. Why are you having that certain hairstyle? There are some folks who are like, oh, well, I'm going to do it up. And then the same hairstyle on a person of color, particularly I'm thinking about a white girl versus a black girl, they might say, oh, that's ugly. That's nappy or that's whatever. But the other person has the same hairstyle and no one's saying anything. They're like, oh, that's ooh, that's awesome. Who did that? Where'd you get it done? That's so chic. Again, that's gorgeous. <laughs> Shout out to exactly. Paul Muni. <laughs> exactly. So just think, I mean, it reminds me of, it reminds me of the scene from White Chicks. Oh. Right? When, you know, she was doing her hair and giving her cornrows. She's like, you know what? I think, you know, in a past life, in a previous life, you were a black woman. Like, you know, things like that. It's like, okay, you do the things that people do behind closed doors. Mm. Like, there's a lot of things that happen. Like, there's, there's a lot of, every year, I would say, you read an article about these wild parties that people have on college campuses that are just OD disrespectful. Um, if you think about the series Dear White People or the movie Dear White People, that was a situation that happened when people went to this party and it was just folks dressed up in blackface, right? We've we've seen recently a lot of folks who were politicians, who are currently politicians, if I'm not mistaken, um, were found having pictures in their yearbook in blackface. Wow. And it's like, hold up. You you know that's not cool, right? Um, you know what mentorcy is? Do you know what what you're doing right there. So you, you think about all these pieces and you think about where this comes from and you think about how ignorant folks are or uneducated or misinformed they might be, or maybe they just don't care because they're in a place of power and privilege that they don't have to. Um, they get away with murder, literally. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some things that we have to teach the children while they're young and give them examples when they come up um, and also give them grace too. Cause some folks, they don't know. Some folks really don't know. And I've seen an example of, for example, I'll give an example of this. Um, it was Halloween and someone was wearing a LeBron James jersey, white boy wearing a LeBron James jersey. That's his favorite basketball player. Um, but he also had on an afro. Mm. And it's like, so I respect the jersey. That's cool. But LeBron never had an afro. And he's so a, what's that he, for? He's a balding, by the way, and the whole world knows it. So you know, he, he got a he got a he got a hair plug plug. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but and it's you know. But he never had an afro. Right. So, you know, somebody was like, listen, take the afro off. Because it's <laughs> why why is it a part why is it a part of the costume? Why? Now, if you were Dr. J, if you were Julius Irvin and you had on the Sixers joint and an afro, makes sense. You are Dr. J, right? So there's just certain things where you think about those pieces. That's an example. Absolutely. And I definitely think it's something to, to think about in terms of our, our daily lives, in terms of how we, op, you know, observe media, how we observe, you know, interactions between people at work, because it, it definitely happens at work. You could have a, uh, a Michael Gary Scott of the office who thinks he's, you know, being down with the cause when in fact he's not only appropriating, but also probably offending and not even being aware of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, talking even more so, and it's not really even cultural per se. I mean, it's more so like, you know, um, a person's physical attributes in their aesthetic. And, you know, it's, it's the Kardashian thing. So we go back to the whole movie White Chicks, right? Terry Crews' character, um, which seems like he was actually playing himself in that movie. That was <laughs> I don't think the brother was acting. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, so, you know, to think about it, it's like his whole character was like, oh, wow, that's what I like. A white woman with a black girl, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's like, hmm, what's really happening there? What's really happening there? So we have, we have to be mindful of that, mindful of the things we consume on a daily basis and challenge, challenge the thoughts that we may have that says, you know what? I like this if and only if it's on that. I like this if and only if it's presenting by this person. Like really think about those things. It's true. And it's a part of being self-aware because indoctrination is real. So it's kind of what you led up, you know, what you brought up earlier in terms of, you know, self-hate and sometimes self-hate is taught in indoctrination most of the time. Right. Especially mm-hmm. in a culture that promotes white is right. Especially with it. With a uh, a president who certainly believes by that ideology. Oh yeah, of course. And then you you know it reminds me of many of the speeches of Malcolm X. But you know who taught you to hate yourself? Who taught you not to love yourself? So really, understanding the messages that we take in on a daily basis, the music that we listen to, um, the images that we see, you know, all the different advertisements, etc., the shows we watch. There's there's a lot that we need to make sure that we're we're, we're guarding ourselves from because. You know, if you watch stuff. So, for example, I mean, I'm thinking about the young folks these days and I'm thinking about boys in particular, young boys growing up in particular. And I'm thinking about their worldview mm. and how they might interact with people because of all the pornography that they watch. So you think about how that might socialize them where we're abusive towards women, mm. where they're disrespectful towards women because that's what they're watching, where they fetishize after certain women. Because that's what they're taught when they're doing um, all these things about, oh, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. Like, I hear these conversations. I hear the things that people call people um, in, in, in the hallways on the ways that people uh, um, like sexual harassment goes up. All these things go up because of what people are consuming, what people have at their disposal or disposal. Right. So just really thinking about all the things that we consume on a daily basis that might contribute to that inner voice inside of us might contribute to our psyche, the way we operate, whether we're emotional or not, whether we love or not. Um, we really need to think about the things that we put into our bodies, not just the stuff we eat and drink, the stuff we consume in our mind. Absolutely. Cause that's the most powerful thing because the whole essence of the box, right? Like being outside the box, inside the box, the box is predicated on your level of indoctrination. So it's important to be aware of these things and these concepts because Pop culture is so, you know, intoxicating that you will want to be of the world, right? That's that's part of the point, because as human beings, we're designed to want to be a part of something as a whole, right? So I'm just hoping that our people will do it for ourselves first, as opposed to then to, you know, being of the world in other ways, and then be able to identify times where let's say a uh, hip hop artist, let's say current hip hop artists, not like traditional from the nineties and the eighties and whatnot, but like current hip hop artists who are essentially promoting concepts and themes that are to, to the detriment of our people. And just being aware of those things and being able to compartmentalize and be like, you know what, this is entertainment. I'm going to listen to this while I'm partying and all that, but I'm not going to, you know, identify with it Monday through Friday type of thing. Yes. Yes. Those are, those are great points. And again, it's really like if folks really want to appreciate other cultures, if folks really want to immerse themselves in other cultures, then do that. 
Um, eating someone's food doesn't mean that you've immersed in their culture. Um, wearing something that's over wear traditionally doesn't mean you've immersed yourself in their culture. Spend some time with a person from that culture. Spend some time with a person from that ethnicity, a person from that, that place of origin. Have conversations with them. Ask questions in a respectful way, not judging. Uh, and that's how you can start to educate yourself, immerse yourself, and start to get more so towards appreciation than appropriation. Um, give credit. Whenever you see something that you like and you're like, oh, this is dope, and maybe you have a new art installment or maybe it's inspired you to wear something or create an outfit or a new fashion show, et cetera, give credit. And not only give credit, actually bring them on the team. Make sure that they're benefiting just as much as you're benefiting. If you're profiting off of it, maybe you should give them some proceeds. Mm. Why? Because it came from their culture. Uh, so when you think about those things too, don't take what you don't understand. That's messy. So if you, if, if you don't understand something, don't just put it on. Like, I mean, going back to Lynn Sanity, right? Mm-hmm. There was a whole situation where people were like, yo, how you feel about all these folks getting uh, tattoos um, with, with all the, um, what you call it? The, the characters from Mandarin. Absolutely. Right? Like, so having all those characters, right? How, how, how do folks feel about that? And it's like, do you even know the language, sir? Right. Can you speak it? Have you ever, have you ever, ever been to China? And I'm not just talking about for the Olympics. Like, have you spent time there? So, you know, just to get the tattoo because the, the characters look dope. That's someone's language, yo. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. It's true. And oftentimes I see that those uh, tattoos are usually incorrect. They're, they're not the actual word that, it, that, that they're told. And it's kind of like, well, you know what? kind of serves you right, right? Exactly, because you probably went to somebody who didn't know either. And they're like, oh, this sells. You couldn't pronounce if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You couldn't read that if you wanted to. And someone could tell you what it is, but doesn't mean they know, because guess what? They're probably appropriating just like you. Absolutely. So it's important to really go to go directly to the sauce um, um, and be authentic. Again, go back to food. Like I said, if I go to a restaurant and you know it's Jamaican food, it's Thai food, if I look back there in the kitchen and, and, and there's a brother back here that looked like me in a Thai restaurant, I'm like, I got questions. <laughs> I got questions. I don't know. I don't know if I should be here right now because it's probably not authentic Thai cuisine. Now that that brother went and studied, studied the cuisine, was taught by those folks of the culture and is now doing something else. And that's a different story. But again, um, a lot of folks are just what's trendy, what's going to give them money, what's going to how you make that quick buck without actually really caring. Absolutely. And Dino says, shout out to Dino, word revenue sharing models for everything. Absolutely. And instead of the Supermax deal, give Steph stake in the team, which is interesting because I do think that totally depends on the ownership group, right? Or the owner. Because I remember when Magic was still playing, when he got first, he, he was one of the first players to get a million dollar contract from Dr. Jerry Bust, RIP to him. But then he also was given stock in the Lakers as well towards his retirement, like as a, as a retirement gift type of thing. So I think it really does depend on the owner. Perhaps, you know, someone like Michael Jordan, the first majority black owner will do something like that. I think he would have to first have a player who warrants that type of offer, right? I don't think he's going to get that in Charlotte anytime soon, most likely not. But for any of the major teams who are totally benefiting, I feel like, I don't see any reason why the Cavs wouldn't give that offer to LeBron. You need to give him a percentage in your franchise because all the dollars that he gave to your, not only to the team in the franchise, but also the city of Cleveland as well, being from Akron. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, pay me in equity. Pay me in equity. And just also talk about appropriation. Talk about these sports teams. You know, like Thank when you. they have like when they have like Hispanic Heritage Month, and it's like Los Lakers. Like it's like really, really, that's not it. That's that you've missed the mark. There's there's there are go back to the drawing board. There's other ways you can celebrate. Or when you talk about you know the McDonald's commercial when you know they used to do all the rapping and you know they change the lyrics and the song and all those things. Um, those are those are signs of private cultural appropriation. Now there's some other folks where you can tell, okay, they got some diverse talent around the table and they're actually speaking to a demographic through a lens that they understand that people are going to connect with. No one's being caric- um, caricatured. No one's being demeaned. Um, their their culture is being celebrated, not mocked. So really thinking about diversifying your team if you want to make sure that you're not culturally appropriating anything and make sure that you give people respect for and, and pay them what they what they what they're worth. Absolutely. Because I think one of the biggest culture vultures in America is probably the NFL. I mean, the NFL literally they copyright and trademarked who that like what? Number one. Number two, we think about the team names, uh, let's say starting with the team in Washington for starters. And uh, Brother D from work, one of his favorite teams are the Chiefs. So shout mm-hmm. out to Patty Mahomes. That, that's another one. Or any other, let's say even baseball, like the, the Cleveland uh, tribe, let's say. Because I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to say the other word, right? But mm-hmm. it's, it's just one of those things. So I think it's very important to be aware of these, of these, these uh, oversteps, let's say. Yeah, it's foolish. And it reminds me, it reminds me of Bamani Jones where he wore the shirt that put Caucasians with the dollar <laughs> with the dollar sign was a mock-off of the Cleveland, um, Cleveland Indian sign. Mm-hmm. Right? It was a mock-off of all that. And it was like Caucasians with a dollar sign instead of a feather. It was like, and somebody was like, that's that's disrespectful, that's rude. He's like, that's my point. Exactly. That's my point. So wh- why are you upset now? But you're not upset when it happens over the oh racism. Thousand percent. But all right, guys, that was a wonderful show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to KG and Claude Diz and Dino and Lou and D for joining us in the comments. A shout out to Nashi Linton straight from Trenton. We appreciate y'all. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you, Professor, as always. Yes, sir. Thank you. You repeat what they created and get power to hate. But worst of all, we disappoint all the great. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah, hey. Black lives matter. Black lives matter.